By the 21st minute, it was 7-0. Soon after, Archie Thompson grabbed his third and Australia's tenth. Where was the keeper? It began with a tremendous shaking, unlike anything in living memory. Then came the water, destroying everything in its path. As looting continued with impunity in London, for the first time, British police used these armoured jankle trucks to clear roads in a number of areas. This was Peckham, South London. 31-0. Even the scorer lost count. And you have to say that with no away goal, America Samoa were going to find the second leg very difficult. Never scored a goal in a fishing competition. We win, we score. To me, that's, that's his, this is going to be part of soccer history, just like the 31-0 against Australia was part of history. We just made part of history. These guys did, I didn't. I'm so proud of the players. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Greatest Games podcast on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller. Opposite me is Jonathan Wilson. And with us today, it's the Indiana Jones of football <laughs> journalism. It's James Montague, journalist and author of a number of great books, including 31 Nil on the Road with Football's Outsiders, a World Cup Odyssey, which was named Football Book of the Year at the 2015 British Sports Book of the Year Awards. Uh, and of course, you have a brand spanking new book out this year called 1312, Among the Ultras, a journey with the world's most extreme fans. James, pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for having me on again. I'm so glad that you've made time for us. You know, you're a globetrotter, as we know, <laughs> and, and as your match will uh, attest to, but, but you're here in our company, and you're going to talk about this one. We go back to 2011, an Oceania pre-qualifying match for the 2014 World Cup <laughs> that ended Tonga 1, American Samoa Two very on brand for your type of yeah. uh, your kind of caper. A uh, number of us would have seen the, the perhaps the documentary about this. But James, why have you chosen this game? Well, I mean, there is no doubt that in terms of the quality of football, this is the worst, <laughs> the worst game that we're probably ever going to talk about. I mean, yeah. when you watch the game back, it's. I mean, there's there's even a minute if you you can find on YouTube, you can find the um, yeah. the highlights. And when they kick off, they kind of get confused and knock into each other. Yeah. So it's quite, it's quite kind of. A uh, I'll be honest quality. with you. This, this will be the only game, Jonathan, and I, I, I would include probably all three of us in this. But I'll only speak on my behalf. Is the only game I think we'll ever do on this podcast in which I can firmly and safely say I, I could have played in this game. I could have done a job. <laughs> I don't know. I remember speaking to somebody who once thought that and tried to get a game in the Latvian second division. Yeah. And just and the end, it was impossible. So uh-huh. no, no matter how well we. How yeah. Well no, we I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, yeah. but I still. Ten years ago, I'd have backed myself. Okay, ten years ago, <laughs> you could go and goal now. Goalkeepers are quite well possibly. into their forties. Quite possibly. You know. But yeah, so I would say this is worse than the Latvian second division. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, I mean, I've watched the Latvian first division. I thought yeah. you might have done. And assuming there isn't a huge gulf. Yeah. Between, I mean, I don't want the parachute payment situation is there, but <laughs> wouldn't have thought. It was. I, I would say this is a lower standard than Latvian second division. Yeah, but it, but clearly it's not the quality of the football. It's not the, reason the quality. Why you chose this and game. the reason I, I chose I this not. was because, um, I mean, a few years ago you mentioned it. I wrote a book called Thirty One Nil, and I really wanted to tell the story of a World Cup qualification campaign, mm. but through the eyes of you know the teams that would never make it, and I, I asked the question: What is it that keeps people going when they lose all the time? Mm. And if I was going to call it Thirty One Nil. I had to go and find American Samoa because American Samoa famously loses 31-0 to Australia, mm-hmm. world record score in 2001. And so I make my way to Samoa for this pre-qualification tournament. 
And um, I get there and I thought I was going to land and go straight to the game, but I found out I crossed the international date line. So I got there a day early, which was great. Cause then I went, <laughs> it was better than a day late. <laughs> yeah, it was better than a day late. So, so you know, I turned up and, and, you know, this incredible story unfolds in front of me. Like I knew that American Samoa had lost 31-0 and that must have left a scar on, on these players. But then I went to the, to the kind of motel where these players were and, you know, their lives had, I wouldn't say been ruined, but certainly been dominated in Mm. the 10 years since that game. Well, the goalkeeper in particular. Well, Nikki Salapu... And he's the same player, right? He plays in both games. Yeah, Nikki Salapu is the goalkeeper in Coffs Harbour. And we can't really talk about this game in 2011 without talking about this victory, of this 31-0 victory, because Nikki Salapu was the goalkeeper in that game. And you can find that full match quite easily. Mm. And he has a great first 10 minutes. It's nil-nil in the first 10 minutes and he's pulling off save after save. Well, just because he shipped, it doesn't mean to say, I remember watching Villa get beat 8-0 at Chelsea once. And I think it was Brad Guzan ago. And I was like, honestly, he had a pretty good game. <laughs> yeah, you know? was, I mean, it could have been 38 nil. <laughs> well, that's how bad I? his teammates were. It was. and uh, But there's, a, there's, a, there's another story behind that because... When you see that, I mean, obviously they changed the rules afterwards about qualification so that you had to have a pre-qualifying tournament. Yeah. And it kind of it, it it kind of reinforced a lot of people's negative stereotypes about minnows. Why should the big teams play mm. these small teams? Mm. You know, we should separate them. It's a waste of time. But actually what happened is, because American Samoa is kind of a dependency of the United States of America, whereas yeah. Samoa... It's about 55,000 people yeah, population. But Samoa is, a, is an independent state. Mm. But culturally they're virtually identical. Mm-hmm. So what they found out is just before um, the tournament, whilst they were all there, they found out that uh, they all had Samoan passports. And so the entire squad basically gets told that they can't play. Mm. So they have to draft in a, effectively a bunch of 15-year-olds. Yeah. And the only senior player there was Nicky Salapu. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Australia go in and just, and as Australians do in the sporting, any sporting arena, yeah. Just complete will destroy you, will pound you into the ground, and take great pleasure in doing. And take so. great pleasure in doing so, and that's what they did. And <laughs> they win thirty one nil. And there's a brilliant uh, interview with the coach afterwards, where he's just he's he's kind of shell shocked, and he says, I, "I don't I don't know why they wanted to score so many goals." Mm. You know, that was just that's the only thing he said. And uh, yeah, but it, I mean, if it's a competitive game, you play it hard, right? Yeah, but and if it's not a competitive game, you shouldn't be playing it. I, I've um, I've spoken to quite a few Australians mm. who say this, like, "Oh, yeah, but we needed to run up the score, we needed to run up the goal difference." The problem is that there not were two, that much. There were two separate groups. So if if New Zealand was in the same group, I could understand that because there were two groups. Australia hammered everybody in their group. New Zealand hammered everyone in their group, so it actually didn't make any difference. No, I think that's a flaw of the format. It's not a flaw of Australia. You're 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 playing in a World Cup game. You go out and you play it hard, and and if you're expected to be charitable to the opposition, then the tournament's a joke. It's not, but there oh, is. Oh, Jonathan, you're taking no, a no, very no, hard no, line. I, there. I, think, I think there is a there is. Do you not think there is no, a kind in, of there is a kind in, of in a, in a friendly yes, yeah. but in a yeah. I guess it's so. What so, about the Italian school of thought? You know, where you sort of when you go four or five up, then probably of yesteryear now, you just kind of ease off. Do you think that you find that abhorrent? I find that. I mean, I can understand easing off if you're protecting your own players and you're sort of conserving energy. I, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. The Italian mentality, I think, was always, well, we'll stop at four or five because if this happens to us, I want them to stop at four or five, which mm-hmm. I don't think is healthy. No, I, I, I don't think you can condemn a team for playing hard in a competitive game. Yeah, but even if you can't, there is, I think there is a, a generally, I mean, we're living in an age where norms are going out the window in every field, but there is a kind of norm in almost every, in professional football that it is a bit unseemly to be punching down quite so hard 31 <laughs> times. I think. I think, I think, I think it's a bit, yeah. I mean, so, I, I, think it, I think it's, 
I think it's awful for everybody concerned. <laughs> and that's why I think that format was a nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> but there is, but there is, but I mean, some, one person who did agree with me, um, I had a, a, I had a lunch, I sound like a twat saying this, but I had a lunch with Gordon Ramsay and Dick oh, Advocar yeah. in Dubai. Oh, I have, I have, in, about that, in, eh? And uh, it was, I'd, we'd arranged it. So a that, Rangers legend in Dick Advocar. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Although it turns out he never played for Rangers lately, oh, yeah, didn't it? So, um, yeah. but, so, but we didn't know that then. So we'd arranged it so that it's kind of Dick Advocar being interviewed by... Um, by by Ramsey at, at his restaurant in Dubai, and we sit there. And what are you doing there? Well, because I was working at Time Out Dubai, so <laughs> okay. I was there as a kind of I was there, but I, I was actually interviewing him. Okay. And uh, Advocat had been hired as the uh, UAE national team coach, but they'd already been eliminated from I think World Cup qualification and Asian Cup qualification. Mm-hmm. So he literally had nothing to do until the Gulf <laughs> Cup came round in like eighteen months' time. <laughs> and so when he got the phone call, he was like, "Yes, yeah." And so we and we meet him. He, he's there early, and we have lunch. And they they go through all these Rangers stories. And then he, that's when he tells me the story about how uh, I think it was Craig Moore and uh, Tony Vidmar. Mm. I think Craig Moore scores four against Tonga because in the game before they beat Tonga twenty two nil, which okay. was the previous record. And he t- uh, and he says that when they came back, he was so appalled by the fact that they scored thirty one <laughs> goals that he dropped Moore oh, and right. Vidmar uh, as punishment for doing that. And um, and he's very pleased about that. But I mean, I will put Wait, caveat there. It, Archie Thompson stayed in the team, having scored nineteen. Was it he got whatever it was? He uh, did he score? No, there was some, one player scored six, nine. Who was it? Wasn't that, uh, that was Archie Thompson? Was it Archie wasn't Thompson? It? Yeah, it was Archie Thompson. Oh, yeah. I'm just, just thinking. He, John play, Aloisi, he wasn't was playing he for Rangers at the time, was he? No, no, he wasn't. No, no. That's true. Uh, so so, um, it, but he he dropped these two players, and I would say that because I mentioned this on Twitter a couple of uh, back last year, and Craig Moore replied to me. Uh, which is the wonder of social media. And he said, oh, no, I was injured. You know, so he denies that he was dropped. But, I mean, I, like, he, Advocar was absolutely adamant that he dropped the players based on this. And it was great. It was a great lunch. And then um, after we had that lunch, um, Advocar uh, went, to the, went to his car, drove to the airport, left his car at the airport and uh, fled the country. Well, there's a lot of cars in that in the in that, that situation. Was a, that was yeah. thing. But we're, we're getting off of American yeah. Samoa. So what, why did he flee the country? You because, can't leave it there. Because we'd had this. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he'd been offered the South Korea job, I think. Uh, oh, okay. So it wasn't like fleeing no, justice, or uh, no, he wasn't fleeing justice, but he was like. Or injustice. No, but it's very place, difficult but... to leave Dubai. Yeah, very difficult. Like there's, a, there's, a, there, I don't know what it's like now, but there was a whole car park of yeah. cars at the airport yeah. where a lot of um, people, you know, a friend of mine, he he didn't do it, but uh, he would know people that wanted to get back to Britain, and it was so hard to almost like um, unpick yourself from the Dubai system. If you had any, basically, system. if you had any debt, yes, it's a debt. Crim- it's a criminal matter to owe to owe money, basically. Yeah. So. People would just leave their cars at the airport, leave the keys yeah. in ignition. If you had a single uh, ticket at the airport, yeah. they wouldn't let you go. No, no, no. So you'd always have to buy a return. But, yeah, uh, I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah but Advocar was... And then he, uh, we'd run the interview and he'd fled the... Well, let, I mean, fled the country because I felt that the tipping point for him taking the job might have been that interview because he was kind of a broken man during it. <laughs> so because like Gordon Ramsay asked him, so so what you got next? World Cup qualifiers? Like, no... <laughs> and so he went and then he actually phoned me up because we'd run it on the front page of this of the magazine and I was just like, like he's not the coach anymore and it was a big scandal in, in the UAE and uh, he phoned me up and apologised did he? yeah 
Oh, I think there's a, there's a piece there to be made in search of Dick's car. Yeah, <laughs> find it. Um, well, of course, one of his fellow countrymen was, uh, was had taken a, a surprise job elsewhere, which is, of course, we we, we talk about Thomas Rongan, who, yeah. who took the job as American Samoa coach. Yeah. Now he'd been uh, he, well, he was a player in MLS, of course. He was. I mean, he was. He, he came through Ajax as a youth player and never. I don't think he even made a first team appearance. But mm-hmm. went to the, went to. Um, he was DC D- uh, United. Did he play or manage? It, it was in New York. I think it was at the Cosmos. Okay. Uh, he played in the late seventies, and he was a teammate of um, Cruyff very okay. briefly, and was a roommate of his, or stayed at his house. Um, and so, but he, he never really made it as a mm-hmm. as a player. But he stayed in the US, married an American woman. Um, and when you hear him speak, he has a very strong, gruff American accent. But then he becomes co- he gets into coaching, and he becomes coach of the uh, US under twenties team. Uh, did he win? He won the MLS Cup with DC United nineteen. No, that was Brad. That was Bob Bradley. Oh, that was Bob Bradley. Um, sorry. Easy mistake to make. Yeah, um, DJ, yeah, yeah. But he's a, yeah. He um. But that was his successful kind of. You know, he he was taking the under twenty teams to the World Cups. Yeah, so well, bringing know. through a lot of young players. I mean, he was really highly sought of, mm. and then he was kind of out of out of work, um, out, but still attached to the federation. And they basically lent him to American Samoa mm. for this, you know, for this short term job. See what you can do. See if you can put any fires out. And when I had arrived, he'd be, he'd really been only in charge of the team for a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Um, and he turned when I interviewed him, he said. You know, I've never seen a lower football <laughs> IQ in my life. Incredible. Um, and the people were, the, the diet was terrible. Um, you know, so he really turned up mm-hmm. to a lot of players. Not only were they kind of unfit, um, didn't really have any coaching, tactics mm-hmm. coaching or anything like that. Um, you know, they also had these huge scars from defeat. One of them being Nicky Salapu, who was still in the squad, had probably conceded over 200 goals since then. Um there was, I mean, when I spoke to him, this guy was like, he had a, he had a weight on his shoulders. I mean, he was, he was telling me how he worked in the Safeways in Seattle, and like his, all his uh, colleagues would take the piss out of him. Mm. His kids would have the piss taken out of them at school. It's mad. And um, he uh, just to stop any yeah. piss taking, Rongan did win the. Uh... US Open Cup with DC United. Oh, did he really? Did he? Oh, thank you very much for checking. Did he? That. <laughs> so, so basically, Rongan, though, that, that my my point was, which you you made without saying that fact, is he's got a bit of pedigree. Yeah, he's not some guy who, no. you know, we, I think uh, on on a Ramble meets Luke interviewed um, uh, uh, Watson, uh, who went and did up up Paul, Paul, Paul Watson, Paul Watson yeah. yeah, up on up Pompeii, yeah, yeah, who, who, who you know, it's it's not one of those stories no. where it's a kind of a, a European no, who mean, fancies he's done a bit of coaching. Well, he, he won the. Um... I mean, I, I was about to say that as if I knew this. I'm reading it on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, he he won the MLS regular season with Tampa Bay Mutiny and was named MLS Coach of the Year even even before his yeah, glory so, with DC. So United. in the US, I feel you underestimated the man, Jones. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought he did a fantastic job. I met him, and he was it, was it was very clear from meeting him that he was you know he was a he was a professional. He's proper fo- um, a proper footballing proper, man, which <laughs> is usually comes at the end of a sentence when when that man has been derided or yeah. scandal has broken. Mm. But that's not the case with no. with Rongan, as far as I'm aware. But he but he is a footballing guy, yeah. and 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 he would have been one of those Europeans who was in in the US because at the time footballing culture in the US. Was 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 emerging. I mean, obviously they've got the facilities, you know, um, they've they've got the design, the energy, but they just needed a bit more of the kind of culture, if you like. Mm. So he goes from there to American Samoa, where he thinks, flipping heck, you know, you, you you're trying to get a bit more, I suppose, traditional, suppose European football culture in the states, and he goes to American Samoa, and it's like, well, it's I a mean, chance. It's a chance to. I mean, the way he explained it to me was it like 
okay, it's a couple of weeks and it's a chance to, you know, coach a senior team at a World Cup. I mean, you know, why not go to a warm place, give it a go. Uh If it doesn't work out, then you come home. Um, But then he becomes incredibly emotionally attached to the players that he meets. And he has an almost religious awakening as he's doing this. Mm. And what's really interesting is that he he brings those players together um, and... It, the the big thing he does is, is is work with their fitness, and you see a lot of this in Next Goal Wins, the documentary that was made about this. Yeah, um, but also you know psychologically, and these players have never had anybody because he's a tough talking coach. I mean, he's mm. he's you know on people's backs, and they just weren't used to it. It was a complete culture shock, and mm-hmm. it almost all falls apart until you know the players start realising that they are improving. Mm, indeed. All right, well, let's have a quick break and then we'll talk more about Rongan and his coaching methods and, and the match itself. So see you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Day in association with the Blizzard. So, yes, James, wrong. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, you think about the style of coaching. I mean, it's all different styles of coaching, but in the US, you know, having sampled a teensy tiny bit, you know, for, you know, just from experience and so on, it is often sort of quite hard. It's 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 uh, there's an element of the drill sergeant about certain coaches and yeah. so on and so forth, and that's just not cutting the mustard in Americans because he really had to be almost like a counselor, yeah, and and show a lot of emotional intelligence as well as being a football coach to those players. When he when he comes across Nicky Salapu, guy, he says, got demons, yes. demons. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who's playing Xbox at home and would, would set up Samoa versus Australia and take out the other control pad and score 50 goals against <sighs> Australia. And he said that to me like, a like yeah, it's a funny thing. I'm like, that's not, that's, that's I don't know, maybe you should see somebody about yeah. that. That's like, that's not, that's not healthy. Yeah. And so they really had these, these, these kind of emotional scars and this weight. And I remember the night, night before this game and I went and sort of met the players and, mm-hmm. and uh, spoke to Rongan again. Um, and that's where I met uh, Jaya Salua. So mm. I, that's where I discovered that they also had a transgender player. Now, this is fascinating. Because in Polynesian culture, they have this thing called the Fafafina, this this kind of third sex within um, within society. It, um, which is widely accepted in Polynesian which culture. Which is widely accepted. It's, it's kind of a difficult, kind of odd situation because homosexuality is illegal in Samoa, mm-hmm. uh, but the Fafafina accepted. Right. So it's kind of one way of... It's, it's, kind of accepting kind of homosexuality but then they could have pushed people into this kind of third sex but okay. I met jo- I mean I, at first I thought she was one of the wives of the players because mm-hmm. I mean, she, she's a woman Yeah. Um, and then Rongan turns around and said I mean basically I've got a woman's thing starting a centre back tomorrow and then that's that's how I discovered that something called the Fafafina existed right. and and, um, and she was very gracious very friendly mm-hmm. and I remember the next day when the game starts at the JS Blatter stadium in Appia and there's about <laughs> 20 30 people in the crowd um and she starts and she starts at center back uh-huh. and this game begins and it's i mean the first goal that i think american samoa ever score 
competitively, and she gets the assist. She cuts right that's right, through, that's right. Yeah, cuts yeah, yeah. right through the middle. I mean, uh-huh. it, it's a goalkeeping error, effectively. Uh-huh. But Raminot scores the first goal. And I mean, a goalkeeping error, effectively. It is an atrocious <laughs> goalkeeping error. <laughs> okay, um, I, it, how can you say what a rasping drive it was? I, what, what I would say is. And, and look, my my knowledge of this is limited to what little I've watched on YouTube in the last week. It is very noticeable that American Samoa are playing some kind of coordinated passing football, and Tonga are not. Yes. Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, so you can see that they've been properly coached. The shape is is to an extent there. Mm-hmm. The the sort of the way that as soon as a player gets a ball, gets the ball, their their first sort of reaction is you're already sort of half turned to, to then play the pass. You can see that the passing has been drilled. Yeah, they they look like um, they look like a, a machine. Well, they look like a, a a not particularly good version of a proper side. Mm. Whereas Tonga just look a mess. Yeah, Tonga yeah. Tonga was coached by this very young Australian guy who who's probably a little bit out of his depth. But the interesting thing about Rongan is that when you saw him on the side of the pitch, he was literally telling people what to do on the ball, reminding them what to do on the ball. Yeah. So when the ball went to uh, Nicky Slapu, he was shouting on him to dive on the ball, count count and then so he would literally pick up the ball and he'd stand there counting and then hit the ball it was literally like yeah. teaching the the absolute was, basics he had to micromanage piece piece. Them. yeah absolutely it was he was like pulling the strings everywhere yeah. and i mean it worked because he's a he's a good coach and they followed exactly what he did and then um the second goal happened well the first goal i mean we, first goal yeah should, we, i mean they, they had hit the uh, the, the sort quite, of the angle of, of post and bar the very good free kick before this very good free and kick. it's a real shame that's not the first yeah. goal because <laughs> that would have actually been a really good goal as opposed to a bit of a punt from about 40 yards which bounces up in the keeper a 40 yard is still a 40 yard it's a 40 yarder but it, i think it might have been going like off target as well so i'm not may sure well you can say that. and, and he kind well of somehow kind of then kind of chops it with his hand that goes behind it mm. So it so it is one nil and so and they're they're all celebrating and it's amazing because they've never really celebrated before. So when you see it, like everybody's yeah. celebrating crazily on their own because they don't really know how to celebrate. Well, that, it's so interesting you say that because yeah, there was something odd about it, and you basically just summed it up for me there. When you when you watch this, you think, oh yeah, this, this is such an unnatural moment, I suppose, for them. Yeah, because it's, you know they scored. You know what was the ratio? So they they'd lost what thirty international games yeah. in a row. And, uh, and 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 they'd been outscored two hundred and twenty nine to twelve, so they had scored twelve goals. But I can imagine those twelve goals probably didn't mean that much. No, I think a lot of them were in non competitive fixtures as well. Exactly. But so is you're in your competitive fixture to go one nil up, yeah, where this means something. Oh, the first time they'd ever been in the lead. Yeah, and so, but you know, to, to their credit, I mean, I was there when they gave this half half time talk because they didn't have a, they did have a dressing room, but it was very small. So we did the half time talk on the. And, he, and, you know, as a journalist, it's quite rare to get access mm. to the kind of dressing room and hear what's going on. And, he, you know, it was, re- it was quite, you know, you had a tear in your eyes. It was really yeah. motivational stuff. Did you do it on the pitch? He did it on the side of the pitch. Oh, okay. Sort of Phil Brown-esque. Yeah. And, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, and then the, the second half begins and uh, there's a, a Shalom Luani scores the second goal, mm. which is, you know, ball goes over the top and he kind of pokes it past the goalkeeper who absolutely wipes him out. I mean, I, I, at first I thought he was unconscious when it happened. Oh, yeah, it was a bit of the Schumacher style. It was a bit of a Schumacher style, you know, and, it, so, and, and, he, and he's out and he's too, and it's really interesting. Because but yeah, didn't he end up playing in NFL or something? He, so, uh, Shalom Luani, right, is this like, I met him, he was 16 years old, right, and he was like a little slip of a lad mm. and Next time I see him, I see a picture of him. His neck is wider than his head somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's an optical illusion. <laughs> but he gets drafted by the Oakland Raiders. 
and he's like a, he's like a defensive end or something yeah. for for the for the Raiders. And now he's at the Houston Texans. Pe- he's Houston a safety, Te- apparently. I don't safety. Know I don't know. I don't know about NFL, but yeah, but that's it. He scored. He's, I think he's joint top scorer in the history of America's Samoa, and also. Uh, but there's a, there's a there's a long um, history of American Samoans. Uh, joining the U.S. military yeah. and also playing in in there is, yeah. in NFL, so it's not that surprising. But the you know, big boned people, yeah. We well, say. you know they they have certain attributes, and yeah. uh, and 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 he scores this goal, and and then you're thinking, will Nikki Salapu get a yeah. clean sheet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what, and, you, and you're willing this on, but then Tonga score a uh, goal quite late in the yeah, game. Two minutes to go, yeah. Um, but the, it was actually a very nice back post header. It was a nice back post header. I mean, Nikki should have done better with that. But then, uh, the, did you tell him that? Because <laughs> what happens next is that they Tonga almost equalised yeah. and Jaya Salua kind of clears it off the line. Yeah, that's right. And then the whistle gets blown yeah. and I have never... And this is that why, is a great clearance as well. It, it is a great clearance. But this but this is the why I chose this game because, you know, I love football mm. and I watch a lot of good games. I watch a lot of terrible games as well. But for me, you know, I mean, I mean you'll miss the tactics, you know, but for me, the emotion is the... I think I've moved on from that. I think you've you moved on from that. Okay. <laughs> But you know, I mean, the, you can appreciate it as well sure, the, sure, the emotion sure. of yeah, the game yeah, yeah. and the the drama of of a moment like mm-hmm. that. You know, means you can put that up against a game that's yeah. you know technically superb. Yeah. And to me, you can put those on a similar mm-hmm. level. And that moment when they won their first ever game mm-hmm. and Nikki Salapu is mm-hmm. is is hysterical, mm-hmm. crying. Mm-hmm. They're all crying. And I, I, I get a bit emotional even thinking about what that moment was like. Yeah. Um. And Rongan was just was just beside himself, but all those players were just you know there, there was a mania because like what do we do what do we do, and they were all crying and there was tears and then they do this uh, they have like a hacker civil mm-hmm. towel they call it um, in in the Samoan culture and they kind of all line up and they've never had to do it before because they've never won all oh, right and they they get into a line and they do this kind of like Samoan war dance like in in front of me I'm like taking a picture of it it, it seems like I was the only person there yeah and it was just. I mean, it was wonderful, and it's captured in Nick's goal wins perfectly. It is, and and that, I mean that documentary is well worth seeing, of course. But but you're right that, that that is the beauty of football because the scenes of celebration. I mean, the game itself. How many people are watching? I mean, it's probably just you, James, and a couple of other. Does it, it appeared? Was it just sort of in a sports centre or something? No, it was. It was the JS Blatter, the, the JS Blatter Stadium Complex, I think it's called. So it's a football pitch that has a tiny stand next to it with some dressing rooms. And that's it. And but it's it, like in the middle of a jungle, basically. The jungle. But, but that's what I mean. Like you, you know, it wouldn't be that outrageous to see some bloke walking his dog in the background. No, Do you know what I mean? No. That that's the kind of level. This is as grassroots as it's ever going to get on mm. one of these podcasts. You know, and and, and they got to clear off a pitch because two and a half. You know, half an hour after this game finishes, the next qualifier happens, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, all the qualifiers are played on yeah, the same Yeah, they're all played pitch. on the same pitch. But if, so. you, if, you, if you, yeah, if you were, a, I don't know, you were there on holiday or you, you were travelling through or whatever and you, and you saw this game, you would have no idea. And then if you saw the scenes of celebration, you'd think, blimey, they, they seem quite happy with themselves. But the, but that's it with football. The scenes of celebration, you can, you can, you can, you know, make parallels with them with 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 a side winning the World Cup mm. for crying out loud. You know the way that some players they hit the ground, they drop to their knees, they celebrate. Just you've just got eighty thousand people around them and the cameras and the glitz and the glamour and the quality players. Whereas this is exactly the same. This, that, that, and that's the beauty of it. That yeah. Those scenes of celebration. No wonder you, you know it prompts a bit of emotion yeah, it in was, you. It, it's exactly that. It was to them. It was the World Cup. You know, it was they they never thought they would they would ever achieve a victory mm-hmm. ever. 
Yeah. And they were the worst team in the world. Uh-huh. And they had all been ritually humiliated because of it. And th- this was a beautiful emotional moment, but also a, like a psychological lifting of this great dark cloud. And for me, what was also one of the most interesting things is then what happens next. They, they kind of get belief. You know, they go into the <laughs> next game against the Cook Islands. And um, is it Winton... Uh, Winton... Roofer. Roofer, the, the uh, New, New Zealand. Zealand yeah. His brother is coach of the Cook Islands. Uh-huh. But he seems to have alienated everybody during the first couple of days of him taking the job. So they sack him before <laughs> the game starts pitch side, right? So, the, so he's standing there. He's not coach anymore. His assistant comes in and he's taking charge of the game. And American Samoa is like watching Brazil all of a sudden. <laughs> you know, they, they completely dominate the match, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it ends up in a, in a 1-1 draw. And Ronken is furious because yeah. he knows if they win that game, they're virtually assured a trip to the next round, which is that's when they meet the big boys of New Zealand New Zealand in the group stage. Yeah. Um, and, and he's furious. And I remember Nikki Salapu saying, uh, oh, can, can, we do, can we do the hacker now? And... and, and <laughs> Nicky, no, you can't do the goddamn hacker because you didn't win. You know, and he's furious because he just thought that you know, and he's he kind of gives him this kind of shakedown, and he's like really disappointed. And he's like, we never, I never thought we'd even draw a game, let alone yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if they had won that, they'd have had they'd have had six points, and then Samoa would have had four points, and yes. playing Samoa last, so they just needed a draw. They would have needed Samoa. a draw. So, but it came down to the last game, the Samoan derby. The coach of Samoa was the guy who was the coach of American Samoa for the thirty-one nil defeat yeah. as well. So that added a little bit of uh, spice to it. And um, and this game, and it almost doesn't happen because there's a torrential downpour <laughs> right, yeah. just before the game. And it's like, it looks like the game isn't going to take yeah. place because there's no way they can. They've got a tractor on. They're trying to drag the water off. Um, but then it goes ahead. And Rongan's, again, he's, he's kind of controlling everything on the pitch. And he's got this plan that he's going to bring on a striker on like 70, 80 minutes if, if it's still nil-nil and they're going to go for it. So they're going to contain Samoa. Because even though Samoa were very low ranked, they were much, much uh, better team. But yeah. they hadn't played an international game for or official international game for something like three years, so they'd f- like fallen down the rankings. And um, and, and it was so, so, because, yeah, Samoa had won their first game three two, so they had the same goal difference going into the game, but Samoa had scored more goals. So they had to basically so, they had to win. So American Samoa had to win. They had to win. So they, it was nil nil. It's about seventy five minutes gone, or about seven, I can't remember. But then. And in the in next go wins they do this as a slow mo, but it it was whilst I was watching it I felt it was mm-hmm. a slow mo because I was in the perfect angle with with the striker he goes through on goal and he clips the ball past the Samoa goalkeeper mm-hmm. and it's from where I'm sta- it's in like I can see it bobbling into the goal and then it just bobbles out and it hits the post and bounces out yeah. and that would have been. Oh, it was gutting. I mean, it was gutting. Also, it would have really screwed up all our plans because then we'd have had to somehow get to the, <laughs> come back to go to the next round. But yeah. you know, we were all we all really wanted them to win and get, and go through to the next round. And then Smoa went up the other end and scored. Yeah, 89th minute, eighty ninth minute winner. So all these games are played. Should we say they play between the twenty second and twenty sixth of November? Yeah, pack them in. So yeah, Jason Mourinho moaning about playing two games <laughs> yeah. in four days. <laughs> that's, that's how fit Rongan got them. You know, they, 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 you know, and uh, and so yeah, and then and then afterwards, it was like this like this Hollywood moment where it's then the rain started. It was absolutely pissing it down like a monsoon. Everybody's in tears, and then Rongan lets lets them do the hacker, lets yeah, them do the yeah, Ziva yeah, Tower yeah. one last time as he gives this kind of emotional team talk about yeah. what it means to him to have been there yeah, through yeah, this yeah. moment. And uh, and it was just, 
it was just a, it was just such a beautiful moment, and we're all really sad. But you know, ultimately, that game changes everybody's lives who who are part of it. You but know? that sums up football better because the, the 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 glory in 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 victory and in loss as well. Mm. It, in those three games, it kind of encapsulates all the emotions that. that a lot of people wrap it, up in it, it really was and then you know of course the film comes out and uh, Jaya is made into something of a star uh, because of it and uh, Nicky becomes something of a star as well and, and he exercises his demons surely yeah, he, yeah he, he's completely um, you know he, he he tells me afterwards like I can go back I can look my son in the eyes mm. you know these kind of things and um, and to have the documentary made as well, where yeah. a wider audience sees it yeah, and, and, and knows the story and actually sees that guy and thinks, yeah, you're, you're the guy who was in the team that won there. Exactly. And everybody, everybody loves an underdog. And, you know, I would go to screenings of the movie and the people, people were cheering on the team yeah. in the cinema. You know, when they scored, there was a, a round of applause. <laughs> and it, that's a very rare thing. And I mean, we were talking about this earlier, but, you know, they're... It's such an amazing story, and I always thought, "Oh, this is this is like a Hollywood movie being being in a Hollywood movie." But they are actually now making a Hollywood movie mm. of it. So, who's uh, playing you? I'm, I'm not in it. I don't think. Oh, I saw that. Um, I think it re, uh, re- maybe that's a spin-off. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought there might be because I I did a story. I wrote about it for the New York Times, and I remember uh, Rongan used that in the in the on a projector in the room as a team talk mm. like the second. Uh, for the second game so I thought maybe I might somehow get into the film that way but no, <laughs> no. they haven't because they'd have to ask me to, for my life rights I think for this Would kind they? of thing yeah so I've no one's, not then no one so I've been I've been cut out of this uh, this film but they are making it I mean I'd, I'd heard a couple of years ago that they they were thinking of doing it with The Rock playing Thomas Rongan. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Which would be brilliant. Wasn't there an article that Michael Fassbender he, was involved? So they filmed it. Michael Fassbender is Thomas Rongan and it is uh, uh, Taiki Watiti, the guy who just yeah, right, yeah, wrote uh, Jojo go. Rabbit, yeah. won the Oscar for it. He's directed it and it's coming out next uh, later this year. God, I'll tell you what. Yeah, that's not too shabby at all. Not too it? shabby. So, But so, unfortunately, I mean, I saw that, was it Reese Darby, the, the, the Australian comic? I saw that he'd been kind of signed up for the film. I thought, oh, that maybe, right? maybe that, I mean... Is that you? You know, he's got better hair than me, but <laughs> slightly similar colour, maybe that's me. I think that was the sticking point, wasn't it? They had everything to do, but they just couldn't settle who would play yeah, James who would Montague. Play, who would, yeah. um, Unfortunately, Rutger Hauer is no longer with us. So, that's I mean, a great show. You know. It really is a great show. But, uh, so, so what was then so the, sort of the legacy, the aftermath, if you like? I mean, four years later, they beat Tonga in a... In, in a not in a pre-qualifier. This was... A, oh, no, it, no, was a pre- it was the same, same stage, stage wasn't it? Yeah, the same they, stage. It, I mean... They're very much Tonga's bogey team. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the really... Uh, well, it was quite sad, actually, because... When I finished writing Thirty One Nil, I then I then kind of phoned up everybody because uh, I like to do it at the end of the book is to go back to the mm-hmm. to the people that I've met and, and find out what what's happened since I first met them and um, it was quite sad because Jaya's life had kind of been almost ruined in the in the immediate aftermath because she went back to university in Hawaii and found mm-hmm. out that she'd been kicked off her course because they didn't get the message oh. that she was playing in an international World Cup qualifier somewhere and so she was kicked off her course and then she ended up getting a job as a security guard in Hawaii. Um, and you know, we were talking and she was thinking, well, I'm going to try to get back to university. But the one thing she was, she talked about, uh, uh, completing her transition, um, to being a woman, which would involve quite a lengthy mm-hmm. and powerful hormone process, uh, mm-hmm. change. And so, but once you do that, you can't, you can't play yeah. anymore. So, um, but she was going to delay that so that she could play in the 2018 world cup qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't pick her. Ah. She went in. She went for the went for the trials, but okay. they they didn't pick her. So so it was quite sad. But then the film came out, and obviously she's 
you know, now you know, uh, FIFA recognised her as the first transgender player, and so she she's she faint, she went back to university. They let mm. her back in, so it's all it's all okay. But yeah, they go to 2018 qualifiers, and again they they get very close. Larry Manal, who was the coach at the beginning of Next Goal Wins, mm. the American uh, kind of understudy to to Rongen. He uh, he takes control of the team, and uh, yeah, they almost do it. They they basically miss out by one goal. If they'd beaten Cook Island in the last game by three nil, they'd be through. But um, it's a big ask for them to score three goals in a game. It is a big ask, but um, but they were very close to doing. I'm, it. I'm I'm hoping to go. Uh, I think it's in September. I mean, coronavirus um, permitted, they will have another of these pre qualifying tournaments for 2022 mm. coming up in September this year. So I'm thinking of going and seeing. How about that? I mean, you never know. Maybe uh, you should do an organised tour. Yeah. <laughs> Nicky eh? Salapu comes back for the game, you know. Maybe, maybe I can offer your services. Do you have any Samoan heritage? You can... It's unlikely. I mean, and I'm a bit older these days, so, you know. know. Talent is talent. You know, class is permanent. <laughs> I you know? do, realistically, I think I'm more of a bench warmer for them now. <laughs> hey, when he wanted a striker in the last sort of 20 minutes, that that was me. That was you. That was me. My... <laughs> And they, they might need a good tactician, so, you know. Tell you what. Offer your services. Mm. I mean, yes, please do. See what they're offering. Oh, right. <laughs> Room and board. Room and board and nothing else. Indeed. Well, James, it's been fascinating and a pleasure, as always, to be in your company and unpacking this story with you. Um, nice one, mate. Uh, for more stories like that, do go to theblizzard.co.uk. Uh, but we look forward to where your travels take you next, James, and, and, and keeping in touch with you and seeing, uh, you know, what articles and, and what your Twitter feed is saying and so on and so forth. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Jonathan. A pleasure as always. Uh, that's been Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with The Blizzard. We'll see you next week. Was a Stakhanov production.